0: We're so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Are you guys at Galatians 4-4? <clears throat> I'm going to read for you Luke 2-8. Write that down. And we're going to dive in this morning. Luke 2, 8 says this, and the shepherds were, excuse me, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, shout good news, news. that will cause great joy, shout great joy. For all people, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born unto you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, just about 55 years later, and about 20 years after the crucifixion of Jesus, Paul writes this letter to the church in Galatia. That's where you are right now. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. All right? This is about 55 years later. And he says this to the church. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. That's an Aramaic word to say daddy. It calls out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Somebody shout amen. <clears throat> now, if you could humor me a minute or two longer, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think back uh, to what ranks as the most underutilized Christmas gift you've ever received. I may put someone on the spot, so get an answer. <laughs> what ranks as the most underutilized Christmas gift you have ever received? Now, I'm not talking about because you didn't like it. I'm saying, like, I really liked the gift. It was a great gift. I appreciate it. But for some reason, somehow, I just wasn't able to get the full benefit out of it. The most underutilized gift you've ever received. I don't want anybody to shake when I point them out. <laughs> Chantel. <laughs> Socks. The most underutilized gift? <laughs> what? Well, that doesn't count. You had to like the gift. Most underutilized gift? A wallet, because you broke? <laughs> I'm just trying to get some context here, man. For me, um, One Christmas, late 80s, I'm not gonna tell you a day because y'all be judging. Late 80s, early 90s, my parents, for whatever reason, purchased um, this for me (laughs) Casio keyboard. (laughs) This was a big deal in my day, y'all. Now, I, I, I did not ask for this gift. Um, I had never displayed that I was going to be musically inclined, although I did um, play the snare in the marching band when I was in elementary school, Um, but I was a a bit perplexed when my parents bought this gift from me because this was like my my big deal gift, Um, but I didn't know what to do with it. I had no idea what, 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 what to do with it. And although I was excited about the gift, I loved the gift, I could appreciate the gift, I had no idea what to do with this with this keyboard. And it had a little synthesizer on the side and all those buttons. I had no idea. I was terrible at making music. If I was good at making music, I would have become a producer. But I was terrible. And my parents had bought me this thing, and this was the big deal gift. And I, I, I just didn't know what to do with it. So I did what all kids do. I tinkered around with it. I just tinkered, and I just, just kept tinkering, and I and I learned two things. I'm not going to say there were songs, but I learned two things. This is the, this is the first thing that I learned. I'm waiting for somebody to hit the, hit the, hit the line. I'm bad. No, L y'all, y'all O that was the first song that I learned was the baseline to LL Cool J, I'm bad. Now, here's what. I got real complex, and I took a step up, and this is where I went next. <laughs> come on, come on. Yes, let's sing it back. For live. Yeah, come on. Come on. Okay. (laughs) That is what I learned. That is what I taught myself. And after about two to three months of frustration, that keyboard ended up in my attic. Full of dust. The, the reason why I say that the gift was the most underutilized gift that I had ever received because I know that with a little attention, with a little focus, with some training just a little bit in the right set of hands, that keyboard could have done... Give him a hand. If you would consider Luke 2, verse 11, today in the the town of David, a Savior has been born unto you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus is the most underutilized Christmas gift we have ever received. And and the, the reason why I say that is because we in this room didn't ask for a Savior. We didn't ask for a Savior. We just woke up Christmas morning and we had a Savior. And because we didn't ask for him, we don't often know how to connect with Jesus and where Jesus belongs in our life and, and what role he's supposed to play in our life. So for most of us, just like with this keyboard, we just tinker with Jesus. Give me some tinkering. And we, we never get beyond some rudimentary understanding of Jesus. We never get out of elementary school. We never graduate and, and move on from just a, a basic understanding of who Jesus is. We never get away from chopsticks with Jesus. We, we never progress to a real full relationship with Jesus simply because we don't know where he belongs in our life. And that is what Paul gets at when he writes this letter to the church in Galatia. Let's push and get a couple points from there. You right? Yes, that's right. It's good. <laughs> Let's go to verse four. But when, the, but when the set time had fully come, God sent the son, he sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. The first thing I want you to write down, which is the first way we underutilize the gift of Christmas, is by remaining in a debt-to-debtor status remaining in a debt-to-debtor status. The law that Paul refers to was was thought to be a means for man to meet the expectations of God. And um, we all know that God gave the law, gave the, the, the Ten Commandments, and man took what God gave and he took it out of context. So he thought, That once we receive these laws, we'll just add more laws and we'll add more rules. And and, and if we add more laws and we add more rules, then that'll make it easier for us to satisfy what God desires of us. But what ended up happening after we added all of these rules and laws and all these different things to the law that God had given us, we found out that man cannot keep the law. What it proved to us is that we are horrible law keepers. We are horrible law keepers, even to the ones that we think are good. Okay. We all agree that the speed limit is a good thing. Raise your hand if you agree that the speed limit is a good thing. Raise your hand. Saves lives. (laughs) Whether knowingly or unknowingly, all of us have broken that law nice looking at me as if she's never done that before but everybody in here at some point has broken that law now let's just say in one of your reckless moments of breaking the law right you're driving down the street and you're breaking the law and then the law keeper gets behind you turns on his lights pulls you over and gives you a ticket okay from that moment on, your relationship with the lawgiver has now turned into a debt-to-debt-tor relationship or status. Why? Because I broke the law, I now have to pay a fine because of what I've done. Yes? Okay, this is the, the, the position that man found himself in before Christmas. Man found himself breaking all sorts of God's laws and we, we, we just couldn't keep those laws. So God sends his son Jesus as atonement or payment for our sins and the laws that we've broken so that we can be in right relationship with him so that we could erase the debt to debt toward relationship we had with him. We had no way of paying him back. We couldn't stop ourselves from breaking the law. So he sends his son Jesus as payment for all of the sins that we had committed and the ones that we would commit. Now here's what makes that special. I don't have to come into God's presence as if I owe him something. I'll give you a good. You, you ever know someone that you know you have a debt to? Like, I got to pay this debt to you. You run from people that you owe debts to. Or oh, y'all not leaning in this morning. Okay. A debt collector's never called your house, and you, you, you knew that number. You hung that phone up. You didn't want to talk to them. Listen, Jesus came so that we could have an open and free relationship with God so that we we could operate in the position that he has always called us to. He erased the debt to debtor relationship that we once had with God. And that is extremely important for people who had no idea that they needed a Savior. He came because you couldn't keep the law. So after Christmas, grace showed up. What it taught me, y'all, is that I don't have to be perfect. There was, I believe the count got up to 613 different rules, laws, and regulations that was associated with the Mosaic Law. They couldn't keep them to save their life. (laughs) And when Jesus came and grace came into the earth, it let me know that I didn't have to be perfect. I didn't have to walk into God's presence and feel condemnation because I know I can't fix it. That means that I get to come into this space, this sanctuary that we have here, and I get to worship as a free worshiper. Listen, I get to show up here even understanding that I will continue to mess up. I won't be perfect, but he's still going to love me. He sent his son to pay the debt that I could not pay so that he could erase the debt-to-debtor relationship that man once had with him. I don't know if that was powerful for me. Because he paid back a debt that I could not pay. Listen to me. We, 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 we celebrate the fact that we paid a, a, a debt for someone that that, that over the, the the our excuse me over our um our anniversary, sorry. During our anniversary, we paid a debt for someone that had no way of paying the debt. And it was a blessing. How much bigger is it when it comes to your soul? I mean, that was a moment if if this mother could have decided to take her child someplace else. But we could not avoid the fact that we had a penalty associated with the sins that we committed and we would commit. Jesus paid it all. Okay, it's quiet this morning. It's all right. Are you getting anything? Okay. Let's push to number two. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. The second way we utilize or underutilize the gift of Christmas is by not receiving our status of sonship. Say that with me, status of sonship. In verse 5, pay attention to it, Paul makes very clear for us that God wanted more for us than just to forgive us and release us of the debt that we had. Because if, if, if we really truly think about that transaction, it is still very transactional. I don't have to know someone in order to get my debt paid. I don't have to know someone to, 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 to complete a transaction. God sent his son into this earth to redeem us. And once he redeemed us, we were supposed to transition to relationship. So the way that God saw this, or the way from from God's perspective, he saw redemption, the payment of our sins, as a means to relationship. We were never meant to stay at redemption. We were supposed to progress in relationship with him and not just have this transactional relationship with God, but to have a, a, a true, real relationship with God. And he says, I gave you redemption just to transition you to relationship. The way that Paul writes this down for us is he says that he wanted to adopt me to sonship. Now, you have to understand why this is so powerful, because the way that we see adoption in our eyes because of the, the society that we live in, we think of little babies. And we think of toddlers, and we see the commercials, and everything's beautiful, and everything's great. And, 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 and you have to adopt the child early in our culture because if you don't get adopted early, you won't get adopted at all. Typically, you'll work yourself through the system, and you'll stay in a foster home or something along those lines, but there's no adoption that will take place once you grow out of a certain age. But in Roman society or Roman culture, you got adopted later on in life. You got adopted once you were in your teens and early 20s because the benefactor wanted to make sure that whoever gets my name or whoever gets my inheritance is worthy of it. I'm just not going to give my name to anybody. I'm not going to give my stuff to anybody, so I got to vet you out first and let you get some stuff done in your life first before I give you my stuff. Why is it so powerful that Paul says this? Because when God looks at at us, he looks at us as a grown-up adult with all of the issues and problems and situations that we have, and he says, I still want her to be my daughter. I still want him as my son. That is the way that God views you. Oh, my gosh. With all of your hangups and all the relationships you can't have because of who you are, God says, I want a relationship with him. People walk away from us all the time because of who we are, because of the things that we've done, all the hangups that we have. But God says, I want a relationship with you. I want to adopt you into my family. Oh, my gosh. He says, I don't care what you've done. I've seen what what you've done. I know what you're going to do, and I still love you. All of your mess-ups and all of your hang-ups really don't matter to me. I want you with your broken self. I want you with your incapable self. I want you with your uncommitted self. I still want a relationship with you and what's so amazing about it is that the world that we live in tells us something totally different. Our system, the system that is supposed to save the orphaned, says that if I don't adopt you before I find out who you are, you won't get adopted. All of your bad ways, all of those bad habits that you have, the ones that repel your family members away from you, God says I want a relationship with her and I'm not I don't just want a relationship with her oh this is so good what Paul says I don't just want a relationship with her I want her to be my daughter now watch this let's get this third point you learning anything but when the set time had fully come God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Third and final point. We underutilize the gift of Christmas by not experiencing closeness to God. Shout closeness to God. Paul describes for us the kind of father-to-child relationship that God desires to have with us. He just didn't want to call you his son or his daughter. He wants a certain type of relationship with you. He uses the phrase Abba Father to display the closeness and the intimacy that God wants to have with his children and God, being all-knowing, he understood that we wouldn't understand that concept. Because in the natural, you don't typically have that kind of relationship from a father to a child. So, so oh gosh, so, so, so God says, listen, once you grasp the idea that I want you as my son or daughter, I'm going to send the spirit of my son into your heart to give you vocabulary and a vernacular to have this kind of close-knit relationship with me. Because you don't know how to speak to it from the natural, I'm going to give you the words so that you can have this kind of relationship with me. And I'm going to put it inside of your heart. And here's, here's, here's the key. This type of language was only used, for, used by Jesus. This was, these were the words of Jesus. You see, Jesus as a grown man was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was facing the biggest challenge he had ever faced in his life. He was under so much pressure that he sweat drops of blood. And in that moment, facing the biggest challenge he had ever faced, he looks to the heavens and he says, Daddy, Daddy, I need you. The one who could do anything, Jesus. The one who had the power to heal the sick, Jesus, looks to the heavens and says, Father, I need a closeness with you that I can't experience with anybody else. Daddy, I need you. God says, I don't just want you as my son or daughter. I want a certain type of relationship with you. I want you to be positioned so that you can call me daddy. He says there's there's more to a relationship with me. There's a closeness that I desire from you. And because I know that your father may have messed it up, and and I know that you've never seen an example of this, I'm going to give you the words for it so that you can experience me the way that you need to experience me. Abba, Father. If Jesus has to do this in his moment of truth, the one that could do anything, How much more necessary is it for you to have this vocabulary? How how, how important is it for you to be able to go to your heavenly father and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Oh, gosh, y'all. Father, I don't have a good answer for this because I can't tell anybody else this in my life. So I'm calling on you, Daddy, I need your help. I need you in this moment. Jesus was able to do that. How much more do you need to be able to do that? We've got men trying to rear a family that's never seen a daddy. They've seen a man, but they've never seen a daddy. We've got women trying to to be a mother, and they've never seen a father. They've never had that experience, but God says, fashion yourself after my son and call me daddy. Because that's the closeness that I desire to have with my sons and my daughters. You, you see, that, that is the reason we miss it. We don't understand that he wants that kind of relationship with us. He doesn't want us to have the kind of relationship that is afar and he's a God that sits in the cosmos and he's just ruling and and doing whatever he does. He says, no, I want a closeness with you. You can call me daddy. And as a matter of fact, I know that you haven't been able to do this in the natural, so I'm going to give you the words for it. And I'm going to put it in your heart. Because that's the kind of relationship I want with my sons and my daughters. You're not a slave to me. I'm not holding you accountable for a bunch of rules and regulations. This is a relationship, a close one. It's intimate. And if you, listen, and if, and if, and if, if, if you've never said these words before, he says, listen, just call me Abba Father. Because if my son Jesus, my one and only begotten son Jesus has to do it.